welcome to the Wedgeworth Leadership Podcast. My name is Kevin Kent, and I'm excited to be joined by two Class 11 members for this episode, Perry Hollingsworth and Peter James. Traditionally, we select class members to contribute to a blog post or a newsletter in which we include in the Wedgeworth Wire. But with so much to unpack with each seminar, we thought we would continue our conversations and reflections in a podcast in order to share those experiences with everyone, whether you're in the field or on the road. Today, we're reflecting on our experiences from Strawn Seminar 8, our most recent seminar in Gainesville, where we prepared for our national seminar coming up in October. Before we dive into our reflection, though, let's get to know Perry and Peter a little bit more. Perry, let's start with you. Introduce yourself and tell us your involvement in agriculture and natural resources. Uh, yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, I'm, a, I'm originally from Arcadia, Florida. Uh, I currently own a, a large irrigation company that services the southeast um there's uh only a a select few of us around that do what we do and uh we basically build farms and from the ground up and irrigation to automation to telemetry and um currently my uh my family and i live in sarasota florida um so and i dabble a little bit in the in the real estate market Thanks, Perry, and welcome to the podcast. Peter, let's hear from you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement in agriculture and natural resources. Uh, absolutely. Uh, my name is Peter James. Um, I am a part of the current class, Wedgworth Class 11. Um, I own No Worries Property Maintenance. We're based out of Pompano Beach, which is just north of Fort Lauderdale. Um, I'm a Florida native with 25 years experience in the industry, um, all of which has been in South Florida. Um, we cover all aspects of property maintenance, specializing in arboriculture and horticulture services. Um, historically, I've always worked for smaller mom and pop operations, um, but never really crossed over into that corporate side of the industry, if you will. Uh, because of this, it, it was very challenging when we were trying to scale up with our organization. Um, that being said, over the past five years or so, um, we've got really heavily involved with the FNGLA and the ISA, and I've really come to value and appreciate the networking the certifications and the qualifications that, that both those organizations offer. Um, I currently sit on several boards and committees within the FNGLA and uh, just recently actually joined fellow classmate Philip Heisey to fill a vacant seat representing the landscape division um, within the FNGLA. I could uh, I could do a whole podcast about the benefits of being a part of the, the Wedgworth program, but personally for me, it has helped me tremendously in planning to be um, away from my business and really delegating my, my daily um, responsibilities. Thanks, Peter. I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about, so let's dive right into some of our biggest takeaways. Let's start with you, Perry. Yeah, I think uh, I had a lot of takeaways from this session. I, I was really, uh, really impactful in different ways. Um, <clears throat> so one of the first takeaways I had was, uh, was from Elizabeth Zipper and um, some of the fundraising techniques, but at the same time, how it really, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is very similar to, to how to approach or um, tell people about products that I might be supplying. So I really got a lot out of how um, she said to approach people and, and how to be uh, mindful when you're with the people. And so some of the things that she really said that made great sense is to, to write out what you want um, to accomplish when you're going to meet somebody or you're going to be with somebody. Um, and I think that's really important to, to accomplish your daily goals and, and what you're trying to approach. And, um, and then don't, don't ever go in just looking for, 
you know, at one direction to have an open mind and then keep awareness of more. Um, I think that was, that's really good when you go in and you talk to somebody and, and you're just going there for one thing, but they might be looking for so many other things. Um, so I thought she, she really, she really did good there. And, um, and then, you know, her counterpart, Brian went right into where the water bottle tipping and pushing board members or pushing members of your, of your business. Um, I thought that was, I thought that was really good. And, um, and just trying to get full supports of all the parties. And that's the only way that, that something's going to succeed if you're involved in a group or you're involved in business is everyone has to be on board um, to be able to, to all work together. If one person's not all in, then there's a good chance something's not going to, not going to go through. So those are some really good points that I thought that um, Elizabeth and Brian spoke about. I mean, they had a lot, but those are some really good, good things I took away from that. Yeah, absolutely. I thought to, particularly uh, her notes on and her, her thoughts on, you know, going into a meeting, you know, she was definitely talking about it in a, in a fundraising context there, but just the, that idea of going in prepared, written down, going in with an open mind. I thought that also set us up really well for the conversations we could potentially have with uh, uh, legislators when we go to DC or, you know, we're working here in Tallahassee and, you know, having our own impact and influence on policy. I thought those notes translated very well uh, to that too. And so that was exciting to hear that. And I think, uh, at, you know, having the discussion about our expectations for, um, you know, serving on a board, being on a board, what our responsibilities are and having, you know, the, the most effective impact on there because so many uh, current class members and thinking about the larger Wedgworth alumni uh, family, so many of them sit on um, different types of boards, local, state, you know, and so being able to have the, you know, the best and right impact, I think is really cool. So I agree. I thought those notes and takeaways from that were awesome. What else did you uh, take away from Gainesville? Yeah. So very similar to kind of all work together, but uh, Dr. Scott Engel uh, really gave me some insight because I'm not uh, as familiar with the legislative legislative side and, you know, what to do and you, you think you always want to go to the top <clears throat> and try to talk to people at the top, but he really opened my eyes on, you know, the, the staffers as he called it as the 24 year olds or, or the ones that you've got to get in with those guys and, and how to work that and, and then how to approach when you are there talking to your representative or talking to somebody and, and the seven steps they went through. Um, I thought it was just like us getting prepped to go to Tala, you know, go to DC. It's the same thing with, with life itself and what you should do. It's, it's, it was really good to, to understand his, his seven steps, um, doing your homework, doing your research, uh, being there early. Um, they're, you know, they're so busy, you know, you don't want to take up as much time. And, and then the big thing was leaving something behind. Um, that was amazing. That was something that I don't think about, you know, just leave something behind that they're going to maybe come back to and then always follow up and then always send a thank you letter, which all of our Wedgworth guys love to do after each session. So um, we should all be used to doing that. 
But I thought that was a really good, um, you know, kind of a prep, get you going to understand what we need to look forward to uh, when we get up to, to D.C. Yeah, Dr. Engel has such a unique and great uh, perspective on D.C., given his uh, his time there and his, you know, work with agriculture and land grants. Um, and so him being able to share that information with us, I think, was – uh, and his perspective with us was really was really neat. I, I think a lot of eyes were opened in in terms of, you know, the conversation around who do we need to go and talk to, whether that's, you know, the actual um, representative or the senator versus uh, the staffer. And, you know, I think everybody gets a – the staffers get a bad rap because, um, you know, oh, I, I'm only going to get to see the staffer in this conversation, I don't get to meet with the representative or senator, but when all reality, that's probably the person we need to talk to. So I I think a lot of eyes were opened then. So, um, and I think, you know, knowing that going into the situation, I think we'll be able to, you know, potentially have a bigger impact on, on policy in agriculture, natural resources. No, I think so too. I thought it was really, really insightful. Let's talk about uh, your next takeaway. Yeah, so um, I think there was a, like I said before, there's a lot, but um, uh, Bob Kanzak uh, with the, the the communication to lead series that he went through um, was probably one of the most impactful for me uh, because that's an area that I struggle with the most um, is public speaking and talking uh, in front of people. And I, I was able to get a lot from him and his approach, and he packed in a pile in in four hours. But um, it was pretty amazing what he what how I left out of there of um, talking better, communicating better, enunciating uh, better, just being a, a more confident speaker. Um, and some of the you know points that I've I've not heard before, and so I, I thought that was really, really helpful. Um, don't get stuck on, you know, go with your gut, um, not your past. Like, just go go with what's going on now. Um, always have powerful phrases. Um, and don't compare yourself to the previous speaker, which is what always happens, I feel like, with everybody. Um, and we talked about, you know, the – people that might have have done you know been impactful in your life and and I mentioned Jeremy Foley of, of how he spoke and, and what he did and when he went into talking about the five the five most important parts that you juggle um, work health family friends and integrity um, and only four of them are made of crystal which I thought was pretty amazing when that was health family friends and integrity um, so and something that I think we all struggle with is um, if you're negative all the time, you're, you're going to build that mood. Um, if you're positive and you're upbeat, um, it's, it's contagious and people are going to see that. Um, so he was, I thought his uh, presentation and training was amazing. Uh, there I was uh, deal for two minutes. I mean, I thought that was a, I didn't really look forward to it, but it ended up being a really fun, fun thing that we did. And it was great to hear some of our classmates talk about um, 
doing quick little two minute stories. Yeah, absolutely. I I I thought that was uh, a lot of fun that afternoon. You know, I think a lot of people <clears throat> when we saw public speaking on the on the agenda and four hours of it, I think a lot of people got you know, we're very anxious about it or, or not looking forward to it, but it was a good time because he did share a lot of, of really insightful ways to better prepare um, and kind of not necessarily so much in the planning of content and, and what to say, but it's uh, it was how to say it and how to make yourself feel more comfortable, uh, confident in saying it and comfortable in saying it. So I thought that was really great. And, and to hear everybody's, you know, very impactful uh, stories, you know, in their, in their two minutes uh, that they had when they shared with the group, I think that was really cool. And so much of what we do, particularly when, you know, we're having impact on policy or we're working, you know, even in our own companies and organizations or, uh, serving on boards or, you know, meeting with legislators, you know, we're going to, we're going to face, you know, public speaking at some point, whether it's small groups, large groups, um, whatever it is, and being confident and um, exciting and positive, I think is, is a really good strength to have, um, to be able to have that impact, particularly now in today's climate of, you know, uh, disagreement, unrest, however you want to call it, you know, you mentioned right. how important it is to be positive. And, and so I think that's, I think that is a, a huge takeaway is just to, you know, to set the tone um, that you want to, you know, for others to, to kind of follow with. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that was our third takeaway. Uh, let's let's do uh, two more there. So let's let's take away. Uh, let's talk about our next takeaway. Okay, so um, I I didn't know how this was going to, you know, really what I was going to be able to get out of it with Brian Ray on ethics, um, but I actually really enjoyed and got really involved in in what he was saying and thought he. I mean, there's ethics can mean so many different things. And, and he went through 13 different types of, of ethics and, and it can be turned different ways and um, different perspectives and opinions and stuff like that. So I really thought um, he kind of laid that out really well so I could really better understand, um, you know, playing dirty of how different ways can mean playing dirty or uh, skimping the rules and kind of different. He gave some really good examples of, of how that works. And, and uh, it's really interesting how he, he came across that. And one of the best things that I've heard um, is he, he made the comment, come to me early, find a tenant, come to me late, find a judge. And uh, I think that, that's amazing. I mean, that's something that uh, is, is so true. Um, the longer you put something off, the longer you just let it in and keep it in and don't let anything go out. And <clears throat> if it's bad, you know, it just, it builds up, builds up, and it just ends up being a big pile. And um, so just come out and talk about it and be open, uh, open communication. Uh, I thought he really, he really talked about some really good things within how to approach, you know, how to understand the certain ways of, of ethics. 
Yeah, I'm going to admit that probably was my favorite um, uh, presentation during the seminar just because, like you said, just to be able to, you know, take something, it's not black and white, you know, to think about it through several different lenses and just, and it's okay to ponder on right and wrong versus good and bad when trying to make a decision that's best for your company or your organization or the industry there. And his experience and his stories he had uh, were amazing. I am yeah. so sad that I did not take his class at any time while I was at uh, UF, just because I think that would be fascinating to to learn more from him. So just, and just, you know, it was, even though, you know, ethics is complicated, we saw that it has multiple levels to it there, but his presentation was so clear about it. And I thought that was, he did a, a fantastic job of sharing that um, and the complexity of, of ethics. No, I, I feel the same way. I, I, um, he's one that he offered to, to come talk to, you know, to maybe your businesses or a group and, I am definitely going to take him up on that just because his transparency was unbelievable um, and really just made it really clear because there's, there's so many different ways to look at it. Um, but I thought he, I thought he was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk about your uh, final takeaway. Yeah. So something that uh, my final takeaway would probably be, um, like I said, there was a lot, um, but, one of the other ones that really kind of opened my mind up even more because I struggle with this with in the agricultural industry is social media, basically social media 101 with, with Lori Baker. Um, she really, I mean, I like numbers. I like facts. And she was, the number she gave was, was more than what I could even anticipate um, of the amount of people that are doing videos today, doing live videos, Oh, who it's touching, how many times you got to be on Twitter. I mean, if I told my guys that they had to do something on Twitter eight to 10 times a day, I wouldn't get any work done, I feel like. <laughs> but they, I mean, just the different trends and <clears throat> and how she put, you know, how she coached us to basically put it in, in perspective where people want to see it and want to watch it or want to click on it and how to get it in front of people um, it's so important, and I, I agree with with everything she said about social media is crucial for your, for a business to succeed. Um, you know, I'm grew up as a you know from a old time family with ag and stuff, and they just they don't think about social media as a way to succeed. Uh, you know, they think of communication and having a personal relationship, and even though all that is still extremely important. Um, it's, it's not the way the world's going. It's, it's going to, to media and it's, and you're the way that you talk to people and communicate people is so different today than it was 30 or 40 years ago. Um, and so she really kind of just opened my perspective on, on, and, and it gave me some different ideas. I was writing down when she's going through it of different things that I can do to, to better my, my situations and my businesses and, and boards that I'm on and, and, and different activities that I'm involved in on finding different ways to reach people um, and how she 
talked about, which is true because I do it every day, is I, to, people would rather watch 21-minute videos than one 20-minute video. And 10 years ago, it wasn't that way. You had a 15-minute YouTube video of, of something, and everyone sat there and watched it. Well, now if you don't have a one-minute TikTok video, it's, no one's watching it. So it's your mind is constantly moving. You're constantly going, looking at different things and trying to find different things you're interested in. And, and then how she went into to how to, to bring those, you know, to get the attraction when you had that short time or how to, to keep the person's attention. Um, so making sure that you're branded and, and your story absolutely matters. They just don't want to hear a five hour story about it. They just want to hear little things that, that keep their attention. Um, so I thought she kind of gave me open my eyes a little bit on how to approach social media and be more open to it um, because we are so far behind in, in agriculture, I feel like, and um, we can do so much better and maybe get in front of people a lot easier with social media. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you said it there that, you know, agriculture does seem to be really behind on social media. And, you know, there's probably a lot of different reasons for that. Um, you know, if we look at producers in particular, they're probably too busy, uh, you know, to post to Twitter, you know, X number of times a day, Facebook to X number of times a day and, and worry about the right photo on Instagram and then worry about the comments that people are going to have on there too. And so I think they're, you know, we, we're definitely going through this shift of, okay, we, we know how important this is now. We have a better understanding of how to use it to tell agriculture's story. Now we've got to figure out who um, can help us tell this story. You know, I think that's maybe our next step too in terms of uh, in the industry is do we, do we hire people for this? Uh, do we, you know, do we do this in-house? Do we, do we farm it out? And I think that's kind of like our next step because I think about, you know, over the course of the last several years, you know, there was a point that uh, a lot of people didn't think they needed a website. And, you know, now the, uh, the website is very much the new business card. And so, right. you know, this, this next hurdle that we're going to get through is, you know, there are still people that don't think we need social media. And now it's very much expected um, to have some type of social media, because like you said, that's, that's how people communicate now. That's how they're choosing to communicate um, because it's it's easy. It's everywhere. It's it's instant. It's in their pocket on their phone. Um, they can get to it. So uh, a, a lot to, to do there. But Dr. Baker does a phenomenal job uh, in terms of paring down that information and sharing with us what's relevant. Uh, her numbers are always fascinating in terms of the uh, reach and impact and engagement and specifically which numbers are important to look at because we can get so much out of that. So, and I, I appreciate too um, her, her conversation because she has uh, a distinct ag background. So she's able to contextualize it with us and she understands the challenges that, you know, our group may have with social media and that we're playing catch up um, to an extent. So. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And I think that I, I think it is the mentality that, that that we're talking about where you know we we think that well we know that ag is behind um it's behind not behind the times but behind but at the same time we, we might not be we might need to get more information uh and how we get that information 
to these, you know, to these people. And maybe we're not trying to reach all the agricultural people. Um, you know, I'll bring Jay up about, he did a lot of video working cows. Well, I can promise there's a pile of people that have no clue what they do um, and how the process works or whatever. And so you might be touching other people and not just your small group that you might be thinking about. And so that's keeping an open mind. And, and, and I've got to do better at that with my business. Cause I feel like, well, I don't have to update my, my website. It's done. Well, it doesn't do anything. There's no, you have to do facelifts. You have to constantly be on there and, and putting different um, words and, and posting and tagging and um, so you can get more traction. And that's something that maybe in the agricultural side, we, we kind of get, we kind of neglect that. Like, well, why do I need to do that? Um, and so maybe that's something that we all can work harder at and see if it, see if it increases any more traction. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like networking in person, right? You, you, you're constantly trying to figure out which groups you can um, uh, network with or integrate with to, you know, either sell products or connect your business with, or you know, to have a, you know a bigger outcome. And, and it's the same principle there, just trying to you know reach different people, connect your business with them to hopefully have a conversation and and share what you have to offer. So. Well, one final question for you. Uh, we found out during the last seminar that we are uh, planning to go to Portugal and Morocco for our international uh, seminar next year. What were your initial reactions on Portugal and Morocco, and what are you excited about? Oh, I, I uh, of course, immediately Googled everything that we can do there. Um, <laughs> and I think from from the little bit that I've already looked up, uh, the food, the atmosphere, the people, um, is something I'm just really looking forward to. Um, I, I love good, good food. And, and I think that's one of the biggest parts as I talk about how everything's so pure and, and fresh and, um, but it's just beautiful. I mean, I'm, I, the pictures are, I mean, are amazing and, and, Everyone that I've told that we're going there is extremely jealous. Um, so uh, I'm I'm really excited to to learn more about it because um, I'm not a, I'm not I'm not as educated on on Morocco as I am Portugal. So I'm I'm really excited. I think it's going to be an awesome trip. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, I've done I've been to Portugal. Um, I lo- I loved it. Uh, it was it's a great country. Um, a, a lot of really cool things to see. Uh, the people are really nice, um, but I haven't done Morocco. I've heard great stories about Morocco and a lot of cool things to do there. So I'm I'm excited to go back to Portugal, um, but I am also excited to to see Morocco for the first time. So thank you, Perry, for sharing your thoughts on the seminar and reflecting with us. Up next, we're going to hear from Peter. Peter, let's hear your first takeaway. Um, absolutely. So kind of starting out, um, we first heard from Dr. Scott Angle and. Um, you know, he, he's got a, a very impressive uh, a resume, if you will, and um, has been in Washington a lot. So it's really great to hear his perspective um, on, on how the, the whole legislative process and lobbying process um, um, happens, if you will. So um, one of the things Dr. Scott Engel said is your message needs to be consistent and you know, do people know your why? 
Um, you know, and that's one of the things that we've consistently heard um, um, in this program is just really knowing your why and, and telling your story. Um, you know, you really hit on, you know, leadership communication as far as building trust and aligning organizational efforts and inspiring change when, when change is needed. You know, and um, they, we had a, another um, young lady, Miss um, Zipper, you know, spoke about being a, a strong board member as well. And I think they just coincided very well together, just, you know, being able to communicate from a variety of um, perspectives, you know, and um, I'd like to think that, that I'd look at, you know, things from um, everybody's perspective, but really, you know, when you when you come together with multiple organizations all working for the same goal, you've got to have the, the same consistent message going in there. And um, I think, uh, you know, as, as far as, you know, as far as being a strong um, um, board member, you know, it's just really, you know, sharing those workloads and being a part of those committees and, and, and recognizing where your strength and, and weaknesses are. And um, one of my, my favorite, you know, um, one-liners, if you will, they said, you know, come early, you'll find a friend and a teammate and come late, you'll find a judge. And um, I think that's just so, um, um, so very poignant towards what we're, we're trying to do just as, as the state of Florida is so diverse and, 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 and what we're all, you know, facing as far as challenges is really coming together and and um, making sure we show up early and put in the work to to make sure we're we're consistent and um, and people know what our why is. Absolutely, and you are a great example, um, serving on several different boards and and four organizations. But even uh, you know, in your role or you know, several hats that you have at FNGLA just within FNGLA, the organization itself, there is so many different uh, groups and, and sectors of, of that part of the industry. It's, I think, really important that we continue to develop as leaders and how we can better serve those boards um, and represent, you know, the groups that they all, the organization represents, but also how to, to move the organization forward. And so I think that discussion that we had um, here in Gainesville is great because, uh, you know, you're a great example, but there are so many current class members and alumni members, um, you know, that really do, uh, have those leadership roles uh, across Florida agriculture um, here in this state. Let's hear your second takeaway. So I, uh, we heard from Mr. Brian Ray. Um, he's the director of business ethics at UF, and he spoke about the 13 uh, different ethical dilemmas. Um, and and I, I really, you know, he spoke about leading with integrity and what that really looks like. And, um, you know, to be honest, I always thought that I upheld myself in an ethical manner, um, you know, to the best of my understanding, I would have to say, um, I do most of the time. But Mr. Ray really opened my eyes to help me better understand what being ethical truly means, um, especially in regards to business and leadership. Um, you know, one of the things he spoke about was how, how, um, how we skirt the line and really expound upon what skirting the line really looks like. You know, me and my organization, I'm the owner of a small business. I set where that line is and what is ethically acceptable to me and my organization. Uh, but he made a statement, you know, don't make virtue a surprise. And that really jumped out at me. You can almost immediately tell when you come across a virtuous person, they're genuine and they just carry themselves in a manner that's just unmistakable. Um, but one of the biggest takeaways for me is, is when you're asked to you know, join a board or a committee or take a leadership role, really take a look um, before accepting that role at what their ethical guidelines are and if it's gonna be a conflict of interest. Um, you know, what do you say? Rationalization is the enemy of all moral progress. And ultimately, um, it really affects your ability to lead um, with integrity. You know, so that's that's um, 
if I had to be honest, you know, I just I jumped into a lot of these boards and didn't really um, fully grasp or understand what was expected of me. And it's once I really started asking for those guidelines, um, you know, even before this presentation, um, it was, you know, there's, there's a lot expected to you. So you just want to make sure that um, you're can, going back to, you know, kind of our first take where you're consistent in, in what you're doing um, and also being able to tell your story and, and being work across lines. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've, what I... Uh, what I really appreciated about his uh, presentation was it it validated uh, some of those, you know, we heard about the different types of moral dilemmas, but it validated, you know, our thought process on having to make tough decisions or, you know, you know, establish things in our businesses and, and that line that you talked about, right? Like it helped validate some of our thought processes versus, you know, am I thinking the right thing? Is this the right direction? Is there really a right and wrong here? You know, there's so much to consider, you know, when it comes to to labor and, you know, your organization and, you know, even your own, you know, family and health and, you know, you can consider it all nowadays. And um, I just thought it was so nice to hear that it, it is okay to think about everything all together. And it's not always going to be choice A, B, C, and D or right and wrong. There's a lot of gray and, and that's okay. That's right. All right. Uh, so that was number two. Let's hear uh, your third takeaway. Um, you know, so it kind of came back to, um, to telling your story again, you know, we, um, uh, we heard from Dr. Lori Baker, you know, um, she discussed at great length about her, her research interaction with social media, marketing and branding. Um, and, and the, again, kind of going back to, to my first point, the whole program as far as really talked about telling your story, our story, their story, everybody's story, and how can we do that? And um, I really appreciate her organization's mission was to, to make research-based knowledge discoverable and available, you know, and, and being able to figure out your strategy and focus. Um, she spoke about five things you can achieve with social media, you know, educating, branding, building relationships, presence, and influencing. Um, and this is so very important in this day and age to stay relevant. Um, I'm sure we all have seen a viral video or things being depicted on, on the news, you know, only to find out it may have been just short, um, a short part of a video to help fit the narrative of whatever that outlet was trying to fill or, or honestly just get views. Um, you know, kind of segueing into that, we, we have the, also had the opportunity and the honor to hear from um, Alachua County Sheriff, you know, Clovis Watson. Um, he has one of the most impressive resumes for a sheriff I've, I've ever heard of or seen. Um, he stands behind his men and, and spoke about the necessary need to stand out in this political climate towards police officers. And, you know, through through regular community outreach and consistent training, the things we are seeing in the news in regards to police reform and, and, and having been implemented for the past, or excuse me, through regular um, community outreach and consistent training, the things we're seeing in the news in regards to police reform, you know, have been implemented um, in their department for the past 16 years from what they said. Um, you know, we also had the honor of having, you know, Lieutenant Chris Sims um, speak to our class. And uh, Lieutenant Sims was, you know, involved in an incident several years back. First, I want to say that he, he, this was not an easy subject for, for Lieutenant Sims to discuss, but he felt it was so important to share his story. And we're so grateful that he did. You know, Sheriff, Sheriff Watson uh, discussed because of the training that um, the, the officers receive every eight weeks made all the difference to how Lieutenant Sims responded and approached that, that situation. Yeah, you, you uh, covered a lot there because, you know, Dr. Baker did a, a fantastic job of 
putting another tool in our toolkit in terms of sharing our story and that was social media the all you know the the strategy behind it and how important it is to not only use it to tell but also use it to measure and see you know what we're saying is working and not working and how we can do better and you know not not solely just to get a message across but to sell products and that kind of stuff um something else too you know like she showed us the tool to use and then uh you know the the sheriff and lieutenant there you know that was that was a perfect like prime example case study of like how how using social media effectively or understanding how social media can be used right and wrong is extremely important um and uh yeah it's i'm i'm fortunate to be a citizen of alachua county and to be able to um you know spend time here uh you know with the sheriff and and lieutenant sims and i get to see their their work in action um, here on a day-to-day uh process so it's exciting to be a part of that all right let's hear another takeaway so my other takeaway would be uh you know communicate to the lead um and we had a we had training from um the dale carnegie um, program and and uh personally public speaking is one of my my personal greatest fears and uh our instructor, uh, Bob, uh, Bob Ganzik, just did a, a phenomenal job um, uh, at, at leading us through training exercise to discuss what a, you know, he had us go over what a defining moment in our life was. And um, it, it seemed kind of silly and it took us a little bit, but, but you know, just getting, getting your, your thoughts organized enough to be able to get up and give a two-minute presentation um, for, for me was daunting but was was really um, gratifying as well to be able to go through it um and just you know he, he taught us different approaches to use and to try and keep them um you know to it to a two minute mark you know what is what do you what is your what are you trying to get across and what i really appreciate is is i often take too long um, to describe a story or a situation um but he, he told us to really understand who your audience is and it can help um, get out your point across and organize your thoughts and narrow subject to key points and then uh, at the end summarize those key points um i really appreciate the approach that, that you have to establish you know trust and credibility and then respect with the listeners and how to really open and close you know sessions with impact whether it be um you know speaking to a large group or speaking in a, a board member scenario or speaking to somebody in the streets you know just to, to clarify your key points of messages and um there's a saying he said uh, um uh, presenting to persuade and i really i really like that is is what are we what are we trying to get you know and and um you know just especially because we're going into dc it's it's really how are we gonna how are we gonna persuade those um powers that be to our point and um it, it's just it's just really interesting again the approaches and the other thing i really enjoyed too is or he said is that uh, you, you've earned the right to get up there and speak if, if somebody's sp- you know, ask you to speak at an event, they actually think that highly of you, that, that you've earned that right to get up there and speak, and you should be eager and excited to speak. And um, I have not always been that at, at times, but I really, he's, he's definitely given me a different perspective to look at it going forward and, and just really excited for, for things that are going to be in the future. Yeah, definitely. I know you share um, a very common um a fear of public speaking or a dislike of it and it just even in the within the class right but there are you know there are a lot of people um that don't necessarily uh prefer uh to speak all the time in in front of a group of people but you know as leaders in our industry and you know we've talked about the importance of telling our story um it's it's going to happen 
and, and you know it's a very valuable tool to also have in our toolkit um, being able to do that and I think you made a really good point too um, is also understanding like it doesn't it's not always large groups you know it's it's sometimes in a boardroom it's sometimes with your employees and just being very intentional about what you say how you say it um, in in you know, the link that you use to, to get your point across, like all those things are really important. And he did, he provided a lot of really cool things that I think, you know, the next time that we get up and, and do have presentations or introducing people at seminars and stuff, I think we'll be able to rely on some of those tools uh, to make a difference there. You know, we're getting ready to head to DC and uh, Kentucky uh, in October. Uh, tell me what you're excited about for that. And then I'll follow up with that and ask you a question about our international trip. Um, I'm excited. I haven't been to DC, um, since I think, I think it's the fifth grade. They typically take you there. So I haven't, I haven't been to DC in a long time. I understand it's a still in the middle of the pandemic. So it's going to be, um, interesting to, to kind of see, um, what's available to go into and whatnot, but I'm really hoping we still get the opportunity to go, um, you know, go to the Capitol and, and meet with, uh, um, uh, our local constituents and really, um, really hear what they have to say. You know, I'm, I was really interested actually kind of going back a little bit just to, to, really understand that the staffers are the ones that you need to get in with, not so much the congressmen. So um, I'm really interested. Uh, I've reached out to my, my local um, staffers and really uh, hopefully get into communication with them and have the opportunity to, to speak with them. And then, um, you know, going to Gettysburg, um, we're going to be visiting. It's going to be, um, I've always wanted to visit. So I'm really interested just to see the historical um, side of, of, of Gettysburg. And then uh, and then Kentucky, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to be seeing a side of Kentucky. I've, I've traveled through the state and hunted there before, but I've never um, had the opportunity to go through with, uh, with a different set of glasses or a different set of lenses on, if you will. Yeah, definitely. And then also this past seminar, we found out that we are going to uh, Morocco and Portugal for our international seminar coming up in June of next year. Tell me what your first thought was uh, when you realized Portugal and Morocco. Uh, so I have actually, I have always wanted to see the Sahara Desert on the Moroccan side. So I'm really excited to, I had never even heard of, um, uh, what do you call circular... Uh, circular agriculture or circular agriculture. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see those operations, um, you know, to, to go to um, Tangiers and just um, just really immerse ourselves in that culture. And then um, on the Portugal side, I've, I've actually always wanted to learn how to speak Portuguese. Um, I live in uh, where I live at, we actually have a heavy influence from uh, the Brazilian side of it. So I've actually, yep. I've actually purchased a, a, a um, what do you call it? how to how to learn how to speak Portuguese? So I'm hoping to be able to go over there and actually communicate with the uh, with the local people over there. So I'm really looking forward to just uh, immersing ourselves in that culture and just seeing a, a side of the world that we probably would never really ever get to see. That's awesome. Well, class 11, you heard it here first. Uh, we will be relying on Peter to be our Portuguese translator uh, for the international seminar. So <laughs> um, that we're, we're we're all relying on you. A special thanks to Perry and Peter for reflecting with us today and sharing their experiences from the Gainesville Seminar. Up next, we're headed to D.C. and Kentucky for our national seminar, and we look forward to sharing those experiences with you as well. Thanks for listening.